Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you're a brand new listener, we welcome you. We pray this broadcast will be a blessing to all who hear it, wherever you are hearing it. And we claimed a scripture years ago when we went on radio, and that scripture was Psalm 107 and verse 20. And it simply says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So we believe with all of our heart that God is sending his word to you today. That this is this is no accidental uh, uh, thing that is occurring here today. That God is sending his word to wherever you are and whoever you are, whether you're a, a devoted Christian wanting to get a deeper uh, relationship with the Lord, a better understanding of His Word and His will in your life, whether you are not a Christian at all and you have somehow found our website and, and been intrigued by either the title or something to, to listen to Let's Talk about Jesus today, or whether you are in that kind of lukewarm condition that Christians can find themselves in, and maybe you're in a church that doesn't challenge you about that, and you are comfortable there because you're lukewarm. I'm going to tell you, you get the fire burning, you're going to look for more fire, <laughs> hallelujah, in your in your heart and in, the, in your life, praise God, fire representing the presence the manifest presence of God, that Holy Ghost and fire, that fire that was kindled upon their heads visibly was not the artist's perception or conception that many have seen in a biblical picture of the day of Pentecost, driven, uh, drawn by an artist with a little, looked like a little candle flame. No, this was the presence of God manifest as the Holy Spirit came to abide within human bodies. Praise God. Amen. And that Shekinah glory that attends the presence of God was seen upon their heads. Praise God. I'll tell you, this is, this is a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. He doesn't come uh, and to manifest the person and presence of God without the glory of God that attends the presence of God. So I would just want you to know today that there is much more to Christianity than some man, mad, man-made religion. <laughs> A man-made, man-made religion. This is God's message of love to us. He seals our salvation by giving us the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So that His presence and His person can literally abide within us. Amen. This is clear in Scripture that God comes to live within the temple uh, that, that He has sanctified for Himself in our human body. How can He do that? Well, it's because He's God. How can he sit upon his throne in heaven and still be enthroned in our hearts? Because he is God and God is a spirit. And David said it this way. He said, where can I go from your spirit? If I take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost part of the sea, 
You're there. If I make my bed in hell in the grave, even there thy hand shall uphold me. In other words, God fills all and all with his self. So, my friend today, I just pray that as we get deeper in the word, that's not our subject, but maybe that might be a soon coming subject. What it really means to have the Holy Spirit, what it really means for the Holy Spirit to have you. Praise God. Well, today we're talking about true worship. And we want to go forward in this in this teaching. This is our fourth, if I'm counting right. And uh, I believe that God is teaching us something about man-made worship instead of God-ordained worship. And we were studying from John's Gospel, chapter 4, the woman at the well that tasted the living water that's available to you and I today. Amen. The Word of God, the the presence of God, the Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. She tasted, amen, the very power of the world to come because she met the person <laughs> that will be king of kings in the world to come. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ. And her first desire was to worship God acceptably, to worship God acceptably. She had heard from her own group of people and their own misunderstanding of the Lord. She she had heard that the holy mountain that they had designated is where you worship God acceptably. And she had heard, particularly from the Jewish people, that that the holy city, that was the place you go where the temple was to worship God acceptably. And Jesus said something extraordinary to her. She, he said, the time is come and now is when they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, it's not in a place. It's an attitude within a person. I want to say that again. It's not in the place. Listen, you can go to church on Sunday morning, wherever you are. And the moment you enter that door, you know, the scripture said, where two or more gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You know what that means, dear friend? That means, well, I'm going to go on back up and say you don't have to be in church where two or more gathered in his name. <laughs> Amen. He said, I'm coming. You can be in a home for a Bible study and God's going to show up in that three or four person Bible study, just like he will in a mega church with 10,000 people. Praise God, or an outdoor crusade with 50,000 people. God is, is going to come where the name of Jesus is magnified and, and, and the name of the Lord is glorified. It's not about a place. It's not about uh, the holy land or the holy city that is still there today. You can take a trip and go to Jerusalem. You can stand on the uh, bank of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm sure there will be a, a deeper sense of closeness to stand where he stood and 
and go to the places that he walked. But friend of mine, he walks into our services and he has walked into our lives and he has come to abide in our bodies by the Holy Spirit. Listen, friend, it's not just about a place that we are that's designated as a holy place. It's about an attitude and an atmosphere of the heart. True worshipers, Christ said, it's not the holy city, the holy mountain, it's the holy person that has become my temple. Listen to it. He said, the time is coming now is when true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth, for the Lord seeketh such to worship him. Praise God. The, 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 everything has changed uh, after the cross. Everything has changed. There is no physical temple that God will come and abide in in an earthly manifestation. No, our body, when we become a Christian and our sins are forgiven and we're washed in the blood of Jesus, our very body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we are told to keep our body holy as well as our spirit and our mind. Oh, friend of mine, if we ever learn the secret of worshiping God acceptably, the scriptures are very clear. He inhabits the praises of his people. When he's truly enthroned in our hearts, he, he comes and manifests his person and presence and power to that person and through that person. So I want to worship God acceptably. And I want to make a statement about that true worship is exclusive. Worship is for God alone. Worship is for God alone. Listen to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, Ye also as lively or living stones are built up a spiritual house. This is speaking to the body of Christ, to the community of Christians, as in holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices, Listen to this key word, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I want to go back once again and and qualify worship as a spiritual sacrifice, and it is for God alone. Now, let me say something here. I believe in, I endorse, I enjoy Christian entertainment. I enjoy uh, singing with and listening to people sing about heaven and sing about the good things of God. But listen carefully. Let's never, ever, ever qualify Christian entertainment for worship. If you're going to church because you like the music instead of you love God, that's not worship. You're just being entertained on Sunday. We're not there to be entertained, although... 
when we get into true worship, I am, I am completely, I, I am focused. I, I'm not looking at my watch when I'm lost in the Lord. Amen. I don't care. Uh, I don't, I, I, I keep my appointments open on Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Because uh, God may want to, may want to speak to me, do something powerful in me or through me. I don't want to be distracted by time restraints. This is called the Lord's day. And in my life, I want it to be the Lord's day. There's nothing down at the mall that can't wait till Monday. There's nothing at the movies that can't wait till Monday or Tuesday. There's nothing, <laughs> there's no fish in the water, amen, that isn't going to be there Tuesday or Wednesday. But Sunday has been set apart, not as the Old Testament commanded Sabbath, but the New Testament Sabbath that the church embraced to honor him, amen, to reverence him and to distinguish ourselves as his people that we, unlike the world, sanctify a time and a place to honor him. You see, worship, true worship is for God alone. Now, let me read to you from Exodus 30, 31 through 38. Listen to this about how God is to be worshipped acceptably. It's got to be vertical, not entertainment for the congregation, but this is exclusively for God and God alone. Listen, Exodus thirty thirty-one through 38 says, Say to the Israelites, This is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on men's bodies, and do not make any oil with the same formula. It is sacred, and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it, and whoever puts it on anyone other than a priest, must be cut off from his people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices. Gum, he's going to be specific here, gum, resin, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, onicha and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense. The work of a perfumer, it is to be salted and pure and sacred, grind of it into powder, place it in front of the testimony in the tent of meeting, where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. I want to stop here. This is not for us initially. This is for God. Someone has said it very truly based on what I'm reading to you right now. That true worship is conspicuous for the absence of self. We're not in it for self-gratification. We're not going to worship God for any self-serving or selfish reason. We come selflessly. We want to honor Him, to reverence Him, to give Him the glory that is due Him and Him alone. Do not, do not, do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any 
like it, to enjoy its fragrance, must be cut off from his people. I want to say this to you today. In light of what I've read, God has always instructed his people how he wanted to be worshipped. Notice that this perfume actually is a sweet-smelling incense, and it's made for God alone, according to verse 37. For God alone. The recipe was not to be duplicated for any man, for to do so would cause one to be cut off from his people. What is the point? The fragrance, once again, was for God alone. It rose to God's nostrils. It was unique for Him. This is a great picture of true worship. Our worship rises up to God. It is to be unique, separated, holy, and well-pleasing to Him. This is one of the great problems I see in the church world today. Many are losing sight of God and focus on their selves and their wants. Many people call this uh, what they, we're seeing in the, in the postmodern church, our felt needs. We're ministering to people based on just their human desires and fleshly needs. And God only exists to meet those. No, no, no. God is more than just a meter. And oh, don't get me wrong. Amen. You know, the scripture is very clear. Delight yourself in the Lord in the Lord, and He will give you the desire of your heart. You know why? Because the desire of your heart, if you're truly delighted in God, will be, amen, to please Him above pleasing yourself. When it's the not my will, but thy will be done, (laughs) you can be sure God's will is going to be done. You see, the Bible said this is the confidence we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will. Listen, faith is not to twist God's arm to get Him to do what we want. Amen. Faith is to cause us to bow before Him and open ourselves and surrender ourselves to His sovereignty and His grace and His goodness and His will for our life. Praise God. It's losing sight of self in worship so that God's will can be done, not only on earth, but in earth, in effect in you and me, just as He wills it from heaven. Our English word for worship is derived from the Anglo-Saxon word worth-ship. And it's thus declaring the worth of God. And we find out very quickly in our worship service whether or not we are truly giving the worth to God that He not only demands, but He deserves, my dear friend. Someone once wrote, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the hearts to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. You see, the scriptures say that we are to commit our our way unto the Lord, and he, and trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. Commit thy way 
unto the Lord. He, 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 this is this full surrender to Him. This is this, this desire to have His will more than our way. When we bring that attitude of heart, we can enter into true worship because we're entering into true relationship with Him. True worship begins with a relationship with God in order to praise God for who He is. We must know Him, His nature, His desires, His plans, His heart. It's impossible to praise and worship someone you do not know personally. The more I know Him, the more I love and worship Him. And the more I worship Him, the more I begin to know Him. The more that I receive His Word and study His Word, I become acquainted with His ways. Praise God. And with His person. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I come all the way back from the 50s. And I remember a song that when I was dating my wife, and, and by the way, we're, we're into our, our 56th year of marriage. So God has certainly been good to Pamela and Robert Venable. Hallelujah. And we're looking forward to however many months, days, years that we have left. <laughs> Amen. Because we came to Christ together and we serve the Lord together and God has kept us together. Praise the Lord. But there was a song back in the 50s and, and when I heard it, I took it from her to me and when she heard it, she took it from me to her. To know, know, know Him is to love, love, love Him. And I do, and I do, and I do. To truly get to know the Lord is to love the Lord. And when we love the Lord with all of our heart, because what we know about Him causes us and stimulates us to love Him and know what He's done in the sending of His Son and what Christ has done in staying on the cross. Yes, I said staying on the cross. Jesus didn't have to stay on the cross he could have come down. They were yelling at him. Satan threw that crowd, that sick crowd that watched him squirm. You know, it is said of him in, in, in the Old Testament prophetic of what would happen to him on the cross. I am a worm and no man. As he struggled for breath on that cross and he, he resembled nothing more than a worm on a hook squirming in pain. Jesus was squirming in pain on that cross, pain the sin debt. But do not look at him squirming as a worm and no man, as a victim, my dear friend. For he was a victor, staying on that cross long enough for our sin debt to be paid in full, giving up His life's blood and His life's breath so that we could have life eternal. Oh, does He not deserve more than going to church for self-serving, selfish reasons? Amen. Just to be entertained, just like every other worldly entertainment, there's a danger 
and I'm not going to split hairs here, but I want to tell you clearly, as an oracle of God speaking to you as an oracle of God today, there is a danger of our worship service becoming Christian entertainment. And that I love Christian entertainment. I'm entertained by songs that are pure and songs that are that are extolling him, but it is not worship if it's for me. It's only worship if it's for God. If those singers are are projecting horizontally to an audience, they are not leading a worship service they're blessing us. but And I am blessed when true worship occurs. I have heard the most beautiful, beautiful harmonies when people begin to praise God in unison and their voices blend. It's like, like an angelic uh, orchestra is playing and an angelic choir is singing. Praise God. Oh, friend of mine, one mind and one accord in worship where true worshipers are worshiping God in spirit and in truth, great and mighty outpourings of the Spirit of God and manifestations of the presence of God can and will occur in that kind of atmosphere. The devil wants to steal worship. He always wanted it for himself. But if he can't get it for himself, amen, he wants God, not to get it. Amen. If he can't have it, he don't want God to have it. A friend of mine, God demands it, and God deserves it. And we are so happy to meet his demands for true worship. Praise God. We worship God in spirit and in truth, because our worship is for God and God alone. And it always begins with a relationship with him, a right relationship with him, a fellowship relationship with him. In praise and worship, there is communion. The more we commune with him, the more he communes with us. The more I know him, our relationship with our father is a growing ever-increasing one, and with Christ our Savior. First John 1, 3 says, Truly, our fellowship, beautiful word here, koinonia in the Greek, truly, our fellowship, it always means an intimate, personal, close relationship between two people. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his son, Jesus Christ. You know, that's, that's so clear. When Jesus stood at the door of a church. In, and we use it metaphorically for the heart. But it was an actual church called Laodicea. One of the seven churches of Asia that God told John to write letters to. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And friend, you've seen the picture, I'm sure, the painting, the beautiful painting of Jesus knocking at the door. And we usually apply that to the, the lost person. I remember when he knocked on the door of my heart. 
And in this painting, rightfully so, there is no knob on the outside. It has to be opened from the inside. And if God knocks on the door of your heart today to bring you to salvation, to forgive your sins as you repent and call upon Him. <laughs> Amen. If you open the door, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. He's going to forgive you. And He's not just going to forgive you. He's going to cleanse you. And He's going to cleanse you so good that He can come in. But there's a purpose in His coming in. And it's not just to keep you from hell and take you to heaven. Oh, that's enough reason to let Him in. But he has a deeper personal purpose than that. If any man hear my voice and open the door, this is a church that doesn't have that kind of relationship with him. They are rich materially, but they are bankrupt spiritually. Amen. They have the stained glass. They have the steeple. They have affluent people, but they don't have the kind of relationship that God wants to have with them. Behold, I stand at the door and knock the door of the church of Laodicea. If any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. Do you see it? It's a table for two. <laughs> it's a table for two. It's you and Christ seated, having a conversation one with another. It's you and the Heavenly Father seated together, having communion and fellowship one with the other. See, this is the greater purpose of our salvation than even escaping hell or going to heaven. The scripture is very clear. The just has suffered for the unjust that he might bring us to God. The reason that you're going to escape hell, the reason that you can, and if you trust Christ as your Savior, repent of your sins, will go to heaven, is because you have been reconciled unto God. Hallelujah. So that you can have fellowship with him. That intimacy, that fellowship relationship, is what seems to be something that fewer and fewer children of the Lord are pursuing today. And we need to get back to that great fundamental reason that we are saved and that great purpose that God has for us. Jesus wants us to live with Him forever. He wants this communion, this koinonia. When He talked about heaven he didn't spend time talking about the place. He's, he, the place was only there. The Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. He wants us to live with Him forever. He wants to interact with us forever. He wants us to be His neighbors forever. Praise God. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, God loves you. And He wants what was lost in the Garden of Eden to be fully and completely restored. Praise God. So that we can fellowship with one another forever and forever age 
without end. And today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that God, through the Holy Spirit, is knocking. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And if you will repent of your sin and open the door, the Scripture has declared it. God has spoken it. He that comes to me with a humble and contrite spirit, I will in no wise turn away. God will receive you with open arms. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. The blood of Jesus has addressed what you've done. The blood of Jesus has been shed on the cross. The life of Christ has been given up. A sacrifice in your and my behalf. God will welcome you with open arms. He will forgive your sin. He will pardon you. And you and I who were enemies of God will be reconciled unto Him. And we can have and enjoy through the Holy Spirit this new relationship with Him. And the joy of that relationship, hallelujah, will be our strength to endure the trials, the tests, the temptations. Because we're in love with Him. And He's in love with us. Hallelujah. And if you're a Christian today, and you're lukewarm, and you're not being challenged to rekindle the flame of the first love, and that fire isn't burning, I pray you will fall to your knees where you are if you can. Find a place and say, Lord, I want to be close to you. I don't want to drift from you. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And come back next week, will you? Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.